You're listening to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast, a championship-caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York, with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaturski, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, Bold Claim, Ben Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Stat Man. Hats, Tats, and Stats is part of the BICBP Radio Network. Check us out online at www.bicbp-radio.com. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast is brought to you in part by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel that'll have your team looking as good as they play. Stop by their website, stingerwoodbats.com, today and get you the professional gear you're looking for. And use promo code TIP of the CAP, all one word, for 10% off your order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats. We are pre-draft day. Actually, it is draft day. We are doing this a day late and a dollar short, as we always do here on this show. But uh, Hats, Tats, and Stats is a championship caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York. I am your host, EZD, and I am here with, of all people, on all days. I am joined by the stat man, Austin Kelm on draft day. Stat man, what's up, buddy? How you doing, buddy? Very excited on this Thursday. Going to be a good night. I am always, always, always excited for the draft, which is a nice change because when we were younger, you know, like, oh, are you watching the draft? No, I don't care. We'll screw it up. Um, you know, <laughs> as, as we did with the uh, the infamous Aaron Maven selection and other things oh. that we just, just I, debaucherized. I just start with something so negative on such a beautiful day. <laughs> and it's because, not beautiful outside. The weather's kind of lousy, but it's beautiful because it, it, it's draft day. It's chilly. It's sunny, but it's chilly. So, uh, you know, you know, we got to remind the people where we came from. You know, we got we got to keep in mind where we're from so we can appreciate where we are, where we are. Uh, a lot of draft experts have, you know, they've been posting team needs and like big, like huge positions of, you know, of, of like necessity, really like things that like just need to happen today and going forward that most teams have three to five. The Bills have one, uh, right. which is really, really cool. And the fact that that one isn't. The quarterback position is even better. I listen. There, there's two kinds of teams in the NFL. There are teams that have quarterbacks, and there are teams that are looking for quarterbacks. That really is is what it is. It's right. There, there ain't there ain't no third direction. If you don't have that elite guy, uh, you're stuck. Which is why I don't think that either the the Jets, Miami, or New England will jump in front of the Bills at any time soon, and has nothing to do with the skill and the talent on the rest of the roster. Tua, Mac Jones, and Zach are, are not those guys that are supplanting Josh Allen no. anytime soon. They they just don't have it. No, and I mean, you, you look at – I mean, the, the team that's probably closest to us right now is Miami, talent-wise. Sure. Uh, you know, they, they, they have this – what looks to be a high-powered offense. Um, but, I mean, really – you know, Tua came out and said something very specific that I think is very telling of even where he thinks that he and they as a team are at. Uh, he came out and said, we're going to, and I quote, yak the hell out of people with his yards after catch uh, with the speed between uh, Waddle, Terry Kill, Hill. Waddle, um, you know, going from there. Even, so, even Gesicki and Mostert and stuff like that, like, they do. They've got a quick offense. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, but the, the problem is when you can't, when teams aren't afraid of you hitting them deep because you can't throw the ball deep, like you physically can't do it well. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see Tua underthrow Hill all, all season because it's going to happen. You know, his, his deep ball is not great. It hangs in the air. It looks like a changeup coming out of his hand. And, you know, 
he'll having, you know, he'll, there's going to be times where he'll has people burned and the throw allows them to catch up to him and even potentially make a play on the ball and two or three of those. And he's going to be real pissed. He went to Miami. Right. But Hey, he's not paid. uh, Well, that's what it is. Everybody's out getting money right now. It's, I mean, you just want to win. Do you want to win championships or do you not? Like I was blown away by the JD McKissick thing. That Buffalo had signed him or agreed to like a seven and a half million dollar contract for whatever it was, two or three years. And he took the exact same contract and went back to Washington. And when they asked him about it, he was like, well, I just have some unfinished business in Washington. What finishing in last place? Like you have gone to a team that has the best odds to win a Super Bowl or a team that is in the worst division in football. And now don't get me wrong because it's the worst division in football. They might have a chance at making the playoffs, but they're only going as far as their quarterback takes them. And right now it's Carson Wentz. So I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I, mean, I can tell you exactly how people feel about that and ask any, any Colts <laughs> fan about, yeah. about Carson Wentz and you'll find out exactly how you should feel about that. Right. But so instead you go to a team that is probably not make, most likely not making the playoffs and very has a real chance of finishing in last place in their division. Not, and not to I mention, I, I hope your unfinished business was worth it. I go ahead. Good. Yeah. Tear <laughs> it up. Nice day. And, you know, and the worst part about that is they, I mean, we're, we're not even talking about a team like that could finish in last, but like their, their entire organization is in shambles right now. Dan Snyder's being investigated for like withholding profits and stuff. Like he may be forced to to to, to sell the team. Sell the team, yeah. Like on top of all the sexual assault and harassment allegations and stuff like that. Right. And they and they just changed their name. It's it's not been a great last few years for the Washington Commanders. Right. Like, and now you're the Carson Commanders, which is just a play on Carson Wentz being <laughs> Cobra Commander. Which, I mean, if you've ever watched any GI Joe episode ever, you know how just how ridiculous Cobra commander is and how bad, I mean, we're talking about a militant organization that never kills anybody. And he loses to him all the time. (laughs) So like these jokes write themselves, let's be honest. So, um, but it's, I mean, it's interesting. Like what, I I don't understand that. I I will never understand that move, but uh, the one thing that, that makes this interesting Okay, we're not going to dive right into the draft. I know we've been talking football to start, but <laughs> there's we're not going to dive totally into the draft way yet. So remind me about the J.D. McKissick thing when we dive into draft talk. First okay. and foremost, the Sabres moved on from Jack Eichel. I love it. And I love it. not only did we get a guy back who now has matched the best production that Eichel ever gave us, in his first year with us, but Eichel didn't make the playoffs with again with Vegas, who is a perennial, not only perennial like playoff team, but a perennial like contender. Right. Not like we're not talking about a team like you know, the, he's they're not the, the the NFC East division winner. So like you make the you, like you make the playoffs because like, well, one of them has to. Like, right. They, they've made it, they made a push almost every single season. Well, since their existence, they were right. four. This is the first year they will not make the playoffs in their entire team and their franchise's existence. Right. But the, the thing that I thought was a more telling stat, and I think it's really cool. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. I, I don't know how you get this job, but I feel like I want it. And there's a reason I'm the, the stat guy. Like, I don't know who figured this out. That over, for the last, like, almost 40 years, that I think it was, like, the 70s, um, if you were the first or the overall pick, Jack Eichel is the only one that fits in that 
criteria who in his first eight years of being in the NHL did not make the playoffs. Not even one time. Yeah. Not like won a series or won a game didn't make the playoffs. So basically over the last 40 years of hockey, if you were the first or second overall pick at some point in the first eight years of your career, you made the postseason. Jack Eichel is the only one who fits against that. Now I get the Sabres aren't great. I'm not a fan of the Pagulas as much as I'm more not a fan as a weird statement. I'm more not a fan of Jack Eichel. It's uh, we've done some things that are bass backwards in that regard, but I don't know. And only I just, only I just think that's funny that you, you moved on and you still didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, you, you moved on, you went to a better team, a better franchise, like, you know, I mean, kind of, you got everything you wanted. You yeah. got out, you went to a contender, you went like you won, like personally, Jack won. And instead of being humble and taking the high road, showing a little little maturity, a little class, he decides to put his foot in his mouth and, you know what I mean, shit talk the fans of Buffalo and stuff like that, which anybody who was still like on his side a little bit, because again, they hate the Bagulas more and we ruined Jack Eichel, yada, yada, uh, left that in the dust no longer on his side at all. And now everyone is rooting against him. Like it, I don't understand, like really. And it's funny because that's just indicative of who he is. Right. People in Buffalo have just seen a whiner, a piss pot. Uh, his body language sucks. He's a little crybaby, and he doesn't show up in big games. And now Vegas is seeing exactly what we've seen the whole time. And that interview where he threw the Buffalo fans on the bus is again, it just speaks to everything we've seen on the ice. Right. For six years. Yeah. He's showing that. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's who you are. Your, your meme on Facebook said it all. You're just not that guy, man. Not that guy. Do you, do you remember when they were coming out and they were being drafted and you know, McDavid was one a and Ica was one B and they were basically the same guy. How wrong were those guys? I mean, Jesus. I, and like they, they were talking generational talent. I mean, that's like unbelievable. They, they were talking that this was going to be the next Crosby Ovechkin. Like right. that, that Eichel and McDavid's careers were going to follow each other from jump street until the end of time, just like Ovechkin and Crosby have. And they're going to battle for cups. They're going to battle for staff. They're going to battle for leaders. They're going to battle for awards swing and a miss yep i mean what, what, and, there, and there's uh, certainly talent there and, oh, it's, God, it's, yeah. and this is not this is not indicative of michael not being talented it's it like honestly like a lot of athletes across a lot of sports your emotional maturity and your mental aspect hinders your athletic ability well and here's a dude hard, who, like, hard, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and, and I, I think that side sums it up with him. He spent his entire like career up to the NHL on winning teams. So like, right. were you a talented player who like got to hide your shortcomings and your flaws because the rest of your team was really good too. So the team as a whole was just better than most people they played. And on the days that like some of the guys, like the, the team didn't play so well, like you got to shine a little bit, but like, maybe some days where you didn't shine so much, the team was there to pick you up. And like, mm-hmm. now you're being drafted as the superstar, right? You're being drafted as this guy who's a generational talent, going to turn a franchise around. And you didn't. And, you know, then the neck injury, and they wouldn't let me get the surgery I wanted and everything else. Then you, you, you know, we, we traded you, you like the, the new team, let you get your surgery and you're back and you're playing. And like, it's been lackluster. And then you came to Buffalo 
and got basically booed out of the stadium, like booed out of the arena. And the only reason you got booed out of the arena, don't get me wrong, there, I, there were more people when Jack left. Like, people were pissed about it. They were upset that the, you know, the second overall pick didn't pan out for us the way we wanted it to and that he wanted out of Buffalo. But, like, a lot of people could look at it and say, like, listen, I don't blame him. Like, go get your cup. Like, go go get the W. Get out of what at the time was a toxic environment, a, you know, a poorly coached team by not a hockey guy, but not a hockey coach. You know, this great motivator that they brought in was supposed to be like the like was going to change the way we did things going to change the landscape of hockey this soccer coach epic fail and like <laughs> yeah it's like a real life tad lasso but it's not funny at all right and like <laughs> you know so and and me me and big diesel were both on that train you know we were both you know we were both like, like go get your back like go get your go get your cup go win like show the world what you can do and now it's like then he then he he, he shit on the buffalo fan base okay uh i hope you don't and then you got booed when you came back to buffalo which i mean i don't know many players that leave buffalo and on their return game get booed right you know like danny briere danny briere got booed when he scored drury got booed when he scored but when they announced him they cheered because they were happy, like, hey, you know, fond memories of Danny Briere, fond memories of Chris Drury. Like, you know, uh, Bruce Smith went to the went to the Redskins out like to, to finish out his career. Buffalo was like, we're done here. He's like, I still got gas in the tank. He went somewhere else. Thurman Thomas went to Miami. Neither of them got booed. So Bruce Smith went to a team that beat us in one of the four Super Bowls. Thurman Thomas went to a division rival. Neither dude got booed when he came back to Buffalo. Jack Eichel Buffalo, though, I don't, I don't know how you do that. What, what's that? <laughs> the, the Bruce Smith thing doesn't make sense. Not to change gears on you. That that one always flabbergasted me. Like that's well, you he, know, he was like six sacks away from like the all-time sack record. Right. You didn't want him to do that in the Bills uniform. Instead, you let him go to Washington and break the all-time sack record on a different team. Dude, right. Well, you know, but like, like right. that, that's one of those ones that you know when the franchise as a whole, like do you, do you like and again. In hindsight, we it didn't do anything for us. Like moving him didn't like let us bring in new fresh talent where we kept you know this level of excellence. But you know, on paper, you're looking like okay, he's you know costing us too much money. The production is going down. Like yeah, he's gonna get six sacks over the next two years. He's gonna break the record. But like, do we keep him here to do that in a Bills uniform and set the franchise back for the again? In hindsight, it didn't work. Right. But at the moment, like you understand, like it happens every, it happens all the time. You know, teams move on from guys that are, you know, legends of of the team, legends of the franchise. But like, you know, I don't know. Like, but but again, any of these dudes come back to Buffalo, none of them got booed. Jack Eichel did. Matthew Barnaby playing for another team (laughs) didn't get booed in Buffalo. Until he started, until he started crap. But then the next time he came back, he got cheered again. Rob Ray went and played for another team for a season. When he came back to Buffalo and he beat up one of our dudes, didn't get booed. Jack well, Michael you know, did. Well, you know what it is, though, because most people have the sense to when they get interviewed, like, oh, my God, it's one thing I missed about this city. The, the fans are just fantastic. And yeah, see, it's, really, it's see always loud. The, the love and support that I've always gotten here in Buffalo made my family and my children feel welcome no matter where we are. And I will always appreciate that no matter where I am is the people in Buffalo making us feel welcome. Michael kind of went the other way with that one. Yeah. The, <laughs> like hard, the, hard 180. Like, let's do the exact the, opposite of what he, everybody else has done. He took what Travis Henry said and did about like, oh, Buffalo's boring. There's nothing to do. There's like two bars and an Applebee's like, 
you know, to the point that like Marshawn Lynch made fun of it when he got drafted and came here. Uh, like he, he put out a spoof video about that, but like, I mean, I go want to stuff for like the, like the fan, like Buffalo sucks. The fan base sucks. Everybody sucks. It's like, all right, man, like what, what the hell did you come here? You get booed. And then the place goes nuts when you lose. Well, that's the loudest I've heard them, <laughs> buddy. If you'd helped us turn the, turn this franchise around, that's nothing. Like I've, I've been in that arena when you, your ears stop taking in noise. Cause it's so damn loud. Right. Like I've been there when it's been deafeningly loud. Like you have no idea what the, what this fan base is capable of. And maybe if you cared about the area and the city and like showed up to a bills game from time to time, maybe you'd have seen it. Right. But like Alan going to hockey games and everything else, like showing his face, being around, going to like being a part of the community. Yeah. That's a thing. You can do that. It's, it's sure a lot. And uh, he didn't. And now, you know, the, I mean, there are shirts being made about, you know, like cool, like, you know, quotes, uh, you know, uh, the, huh, hmm, really? Like that he, he came out and said with like the, what, it was some reporter asked him a question about like his return to Buffalo and how he felt about being booed. And like, you know, that was his reply I was like, huh, hmm, really? Like, I, I don't know. What did you expect, bud? Like you, you crapped on the city, you crapped on the people, the people spoke, you lose. And I'm happy about it. Enjoy, enjoy being in the same exact place the Sabres are going to be this year at the end of the regular season, except the Sabres have been playing a lot better hockey and are looking like they're about to turn a corner finally. And you single-handedly torpedoed the Vegas Knights. Uh, listen, it, it, the Sabres look like they're on the cusp of being okay. I'm not saying cup contenders. I'm not saying perennial playoff. Is, I'm saying we look like the hockey is getting better. It's, it's a simple we, eye test. It just looks like better hockey. We look like, like the end of year one and the start of year two of the Josh Allen era in Buffalo. It, right. would, it just looked different. It felt different. It, it's just a different style coming out. And you're looking like, oh, man, there might be something cooking here. Right. Well, it, listen, it, it takes some time. I mean, everything I'm reading, and again, I'm no hockey expert. I'm a football baseball guy. But like what I'm reading is like, you know, it takes defensemen longer to develop than it does forwards, right? So, like, forwards can come in at a young age and, like, just, just put the puck in the net. Do you know what I mean? But defensemen, when you're having to, to read and react and inside a defensive scheme and yeah, everything that goes into that, it also takes you a little while to grow into your adult man body to, to be a little more physical if that's what the game calls for. Right. So, and when people are, like, are crapping all over Darlene, I'm like, guys, I'm like, people, experts – say that you usually don't hit your stride as a defenseman until you're 24, 25. And he was playing at 19 and people were going, dude, he sucks. He's a bust. What a waste. Can we tap the GD breaks for a hot second right. and just give him a minute because he's I mean, a child. And that's, he's not that even is old something to drink yet. And we're like crapping on him. It's that is something that we, uh, me, big diesel. And I have talked about at nauseum on the show. You know, when you look at guys, you know, even, even a dude like, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, and, you know, this will lead us back into our football talk. But, like, I mean, Edmonds is 24 with five years of experience. He is just now coming into that, like, grown man, big, some bitch can play and can move with grown man size and strength. And he's got five years of experience. Like, I, I'm not ready to move on from that because I want to see what the next two years are going to look like with that dude. You know, because a, a, a jacked 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old is different than a jacked 26-year-old, and we all know that. You know, same thing. 19-year-old defenseman in the NHL. This dude is scrawny. This dude is skinny. There, there's guys in the Sabres who have been 
uh, tapped for like the one dude couldn't even do a pull up when he did his pro day or whatever, or the, the, the combine testing or whatever it was like, you know, you look at these dudes, like give them a few years, let them play, let them lift, let them like learn the game, let them play with some grown men instead of playing against dudes, their age and just being better than them. I mean, it's the same thing we talk about, like high school into college. Yeah. You're good amongst juniors and seniors. And then you go and you play Are your you freshman year. Juniors and seniors older than you, not right. younger than you. Right. Right. Like you're not playing dudes your age and younger. You're, you're, you're the 18 year old playing with some guys who are 22, 23. Like that's or a some big guys who difference. Are 25, 26 because of transfer portals and red shirt status. And or like, you know, like, like there, there are guys who, you know, out of high school enlisted in the military. And then like after two years, so they came back at 20, 21, and then enlisted in school, went to JUCO for two years. So now you're, you're, you're going against a, like a true, a true junior who's 25. Right. And, and what do we see those dudes, like the kids struggle against those people because they're grown ass men. And this is the same thing. Like let these dudes grow and develop. We have, we have a full line down in Rochester right now that next year will probably come up as a line together and just insert as line two for Buffalo. That's going to be huge. Like it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. And we, we also have the highest rated uh, prospect class in the NHL currently. So we can figure Listen, out our goaltending. Like if, uh, if Uka Pekalukanen can stay healthy, I think we'll be okay. I, I like a lot of things they're doing. I mean, between Middlestat and Cousins to go along with Owen Power and Deline finally coming and making strides and Tage Thompson all of a sudden looks like our best player. I, I did not think that was going to be a thing. But I, I'm super happy that he is. I mean, I, if you'd have told me before the season that Tage Thompson was going to have like 37 goals, I'd have told you you were full of crap. That there right. was no way <laughs> Tage Thompson, whose career best was like 12, was going to all of a sudden pump in almost 40. Right. But I mean, but I like what he brings to the table. I love six foot seven, 220 pound centers. You know what you're not doing? Muscling that guy off the puck. You know what I mean? I just, I'm, I'm a fan. And I think Krebs and Tuck have been awesome. I think they've been as a combo way better than Eichel. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just in general, it's uh, people thought we got fleeced in that trade that we just gave them away. I, I mean, I don't know what else was on the table, but I, I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> it it's, yeah. Thus far, it's, I'm really fine with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. And the, the, the biggest addition here, I think is finally figuring out the coaching. I, you know, they, the the Pagoulas got lucky grabbing McDermott, bringing him in, and like letting him just kind of take over the take over the reins and running it. Um, and you know they they tried, I guess they tried to do something different or something similar with the Sabers, but I think they finally got it right with Donnie Meatballs. And you know Granado's just do, doing doing the right thing. He's he's a hockey guy. He's been in USA developmental hockey forever. I mean, this dude is just. He knows the game. He knows what he's doing, and it's not to show on the ice. He's, he's because he's always been in charge of development. I think he's an excellent teacher. Yeah, and, and, I, and I we have he, a relatively young roster that need to be taught, and I think he's doing that. And I, I, th- I also think he's good because he's that guy that can look and say, like, I see talent there that can be developed, as opposed to, well, this is the guy like that I see. Like, and that's just the guy like, no, like, I mean, you just said it, Tage Thompson career best, like 12 goals. This dude comes to a coach who's worked in development his entire career with USA developmental hockey. And now all of a sudden, like he's lighting the lamp left and right. And he's playing with other dudes who are developing into, like, into good players. It's just, it's fun to see. 
Yep. Nope. I'm excited for what the future holds. I'm not saying it'll be next year, but I think in, in two to three years, I can say it like I can see us ending that drought. I, like it's gonna, I, I think, think it's gonna it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Oh, we're still not making the playoffs next year, but it's it's trending in the right direction. I, I think we might. I really do, especially with like how how gritty we've been playing and how sure. how like how how ball like how much this team is starting to buy in. I really do. I think I think next year could be the year we break that we break the drought. But that is uh, that'll wrap the hockey talk for now. And it's time. It is boy oh boy. It is draft time. We are finally back on topic <laughs> to the draft. Um, the JD McKissick thing that you brought up before we dove into the Sabers at the start of the show here. Um, the McKissick choosing to go back to Washington, I think opens the door for something that I, I still don't think we go running back in the first round. Um, it's it just not something I don't think that, that Bean sees value in the position in that round, unless there's literally nothing else or no one else. Uh, I mean, if it's best player available, you know, maybe, maybe like, and like, okay, I don't like any of the trade options. There's no, like the corners that we're looking at will be there in the next round, the receivers, the linemen, like, okay, fine. But I, I, I just, I don't think we'll go, we'll go first round running back. Um, maybe second round, but I, even that I think is a stretch, but I, I think the JD McKissick, like bringing him in and then losing him, I think it definitely puts a running back on the draft board for the, for this year. And I, I do believe it would be third round or after, but um, it's definitely an interesting conversation piece. So I me mean, and my whole thing is here. I, I think, so first of all, in, in being, we trust what, <laughs> whatever he chooses to do. Yes. I don't know how anybody could argue that it was a bad call and I don't care what it is. He literally could draft whatever. Yeah. And I feel like people would have to go, yeah, no. Okay. I, whatever he, yes, sure. So, I mean, agree with you on the running back thing and really even from a, a simple dollars and cents thing, well, you don't ever take a running back in the first, I mean, whatever, fine. I get it. But with our roster, the way it is today, if hype, I think we both agree that our biggest position of need is cornerback. Yes. Right. That, that, right. That's the whole thing. So let's just say that, you know, uh, I mean, Sauce Gardner, well gone. Stingley, probably well gone. Uh, was it uh, Cooper or whatever, the kid from Clemson? He's another one who's going to be gone. And then they're, they're saying that that McDuffie from Washington may fall to Buffalo at 25. Now, if he's there, I feel like we take him. But I feel like in modern and last year, five, five corners went in the first round by the time Buffalo went. So I assume it'll be something similar again. Um, so I don't think he'll be there. But if we take Brees Hall or let's just say we like Walker, fine at the running back position, um, I, whatever. Oh, Singletary's fine. Like, it's not an indictment of Singletary's skill or talent or our offensive line or anything else. It's after this year, Singletary can walk. We don't yes. have to give him a second contract, and we have another rookie running back who's equally, if not, let's be honest, more capable than Singletary on a rookie contract. And I don't care how good that guy is. If Brees Hall, let's just say, is Jonathan Taylor, after four years, he can go too. Yeah, like, we'll draft another you, guy and he'll you, be on rookie money. That, that's you pick just up that you pick up that fifth year, and then you thank you for your service. See ya. Right. Ask ask the Cowboys if they're happy they gave Zeke ninety six million dollars. Do you right. know what I mean? Like it's just the, the the Packers, and I thought for sure they were going to let Aaron Jones walk, and they brought him back anyways, and then wound up giving AJ Dillon the ball more because he was more productive. Right. When in actuality, they probably could have let Aaron Jones walk, signed a receiver like Rodgers wanted anyways. And just let AJ Dillon lead the backfield, and you can argue that they'd probably be in a better spot than they yeah. were before. But I mean, anything. If there's a safety 
that falls to us. People go, really? Safety? That's stupid. We got Poyer and Hart. Great. They're 31, going on 32 years of age. They are about to see a downtick in production and athletic ability. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, who's one of the best safeties in all of football, like retired last year and at like 33, 34. Uh, that that Troy Polamalu retired before 34. Like it's just right. There's a shelf life on that, and they are fastly approaching it. I can't blame him for thinking about the future. That next no. year we could let Poyer walk, save ten million dollars against the cap. I'll miss him. He was great. One of the most underrated safeties in all football. It's a business. Bye bye. Thank you very much. We'll go with the rookie, yeah. or the, at that point, that second year guy. It could be a receiver. It could be more line depth. It could be more defensive line depth. I really, I mean, if you told me, so we just talked about Edmonds and whether you're for him or against him, if he decided like I hypothetically that that Devin Lloyd from Utah, I he'll, again, he'll be, he'll be long gone, but hypothetically he falls 25 and Bean tells me I'd rather have Lloyd on a rookie contract than Edmonds after we resign him and have to pay him 14 to $15 million a season. Uh, you know what? I don't, I can't fault that decision either. Regardless of whether you think Edmonds is coming into it or not. If you're telling me Lloyd's almost as good or as good, and he's going to cost 10 million less dollars and we can use that money elsewhere. That is literally what the draft is supposed to be. Right. You find those players, you get them cheap. You keep cycling through like it is what it is. And we can all move on. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. where we are. No, so then, I, I don't care how you slice it. I'm peaking going in any direction. I feel like I mean, I'd be fine with it. And, and I agree with you. You know, the, the biggest one here, um, our, uh, the, the cornerback room is our biggest spot of need. Sure. Uh, with, I mean, we need somebody opposite Trey White that can really, you know, really help solidify Especially our secondary. Trey and I maybe start until week four. Right. So we're going to do the first quarter of the season. He might not be there. Right. So we, we need someone who can fill his role to some extent. Uh, and I mean, don't get me wrong. We, our, our secondary didn't do, didn't do bad last year after Trey went down, you know, we had guys step up and fill in, but that, you know, that's McDermott and his schemes and his plots and his plans and stuff. And I mean, that's, that's the strong point of the coach, right? That, that is what he does and how he does it. Uh, probably we, we better. Lost Levi, we lost Levi Wallace to free agency. Exactly. And, and it's still hurt. So it, it's still, it's thin. So, it's thin. So Teron Johnson and Dane Jackson are your corners right now. And I think both of them are very good. I would feel much better with the two of them and a first round draft pick corner. Right. Personally, because uh, I don't know if there's anyone or anything out there that we could bring in to fill that role in the meantime. Sure. I you think know. most most of that position has been picked over in free yes. agency. I don't think there's there's many guys left. And I mean, for for my money. And again, I this just me. If, if I had to choose. So and really, it's kind of what we're most people in Buffalo are debating and in the national media. If you had to choose between like, OK, so the top four corners are gone. At Stingley, Sauce, uh, McDuffie goes early, and the kid from Clemson go early. So now we're looking at either like Elam from Florida State or Brees Hall. Do you take the fifth or the sixth best corner or the top running back who looks like, I don't know, he has the makings of a, a three-down bell cow who, you know what I mean? Right. Six foot, 220, four, three, five. I mean, the dude's just an animal. He's right. literally, I mean, I don't want to say, I can't say literally because he's not actually twice as fast as Singletary, but Singletary ran a 4.7. It's one of the slowest 40 times a running back has like ever run. And he ran a 4.35, which is most receivers on our roster don't run a 4.35. He would literally walk in and become the fastest player on our offense immediately. So, I mean, do we need it? Probably not. We'd be fine without it. To your point, we could take a guy in the third round, probably okay. 
but I, I don't know. I think for my money, I'd rather have the number one ranked running back at 25 and not the sixth or the seventh best corner. I don't, Do you know I, mean? I, don't know, I don't know how you feel. I don't know how you feel about that. It's, I don't necessarily disagree, but I mean, I, I, at this point I look at it like, okay, you know, you look at a couple of years ago, you know, the, the chiefs took Clyde Edwards, Alaire, mm-hmm. and he has been for all intent and purpose, a bust. You, you know, who, who, who was the running back taken after him? Taylor. I mean, and then, Do- and then Dobbins, you know, and Dobbins obviously was hurt last year, but I mean, Taylor is easily, easily the second best running back in the league and really is, is really pushing Trevor. Who, 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 who do you, who, I was going to say, who do you have him at one? I, it's Derek, Derek Henry. I mean, I I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I don't know right now today. I think it's Taylor, especially with Henry being injured last season and being 28 or 29 this season. I feel like I'm so taking, I, if, if we had a fantasy draft, I'm taking 23 year old Taylor over 28 year old injured Derek Henry. Well, I mean, so that, that was the first injury of Taylor's career or of uh, Henry's career. Henry's career. No, for but, sure. You know, that's just one of those things where Jonathan Taylor can take over a football game. Derek Henry takes over almost every football game. Like, right. you know, you, how do you, how do you stop the Titans? Stop Derek Henry. How do you stop the Colts? Well, slow down Jonathan Taylor. And then you can worry about the other stuff. Like <laughs> they, right. and, and that to me is the big difference until proven I mean, until proven otherwise right now. And it's really, um, and, and, I, and I get what you're saying with the Edwards Hilaire. I don't know if it's quite the same situation, though, because people, nobody had him. First of all, nobody had him as a first round pick. And also, I don't think it's when you're ranking the running backs from that year. I don't think anybody had him above Taylor and Dobbins. The Chiefs did that because they saw a, a 5'9", 201 pound running back who could catch the ball out of the backfield and be, a, you know, in quotes, offensive weapon. So they did like the the thing that a lot of NFL teams do. They overthink the situation. And instead of just taking the best player, they took the player that they felt best fits their scheme. And, and I get that. I understand that. But I mean, I mean, honestly, thank God, because I don't know what the Chiefs would be like if they had Jonathan Taylor as their running back. Do you oh know what I mean? God. If they just did the intelligent thing and took the best running back available, your team needed a running back. The best one is there. You knew you were going to take one. And you overthought it and went with the un- and really that's Edwards Hilaire's biggest problem right now is availability because he's hurt. Because oh, go figure. The five nine, two hundred and one pound guy doesn't hold up to just getting beat on by modern day linebackers. And Taylor's just fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like that's just that's overthinking the situation. So now if the Bills did something random, like and I don't even know what the comparison is this year, but if they took I don't know. Let's just say Edwards Allaire was the third best running back. And this year it's that Spiller guy. Yeah. And the bills felt that Spiller best exemplified their team. So they take Spiller at 25 and then Brees Hall and Walker go on to be all pro running backs. Like, Oh, see first running backs don't work. Mm, Taking the right first round running back might've worked, but you were, did something stupid and took the third guy. Cause you out, you know what I mean? You outthought yourself. Instead right. of just taking the guy you should have just taken. Dude, yeah, I, so mean, I don't know. You know and, and there, there is something to be said about was that 2018 already? Yeah, sure. Because holy shit, I'm trying is to find it, out because I, I thought I remembered. It was the year that we took Epinesa. That people were saying we shouldn't have taken Epinesa. We should have taken Hall or Dobbins. Hall or Dobbins. Uh, Taylor or Dobbins. I thought. I thought that was that was the whole thing. 
Hmm. It had to be Can I, the typing I, machine. I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out like who like because I, I thought Clyde Edwards Alaire was actually was the first rated running back, but was he taken the same year as Tua? So uh, it could have been Judy. 18 because that was that was the uh Josh Allen year, so it had to be 19. DeAndre Swift, Herbert, where the hell? Jordan Love, Brandon Ayuk, yeah, AJ Epinesa. So middle of the second round, like 44 or something like that. I think they traded up and got him. So uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the 32nd overall ranked player, according to NFL.com that year. And he is – he was actually number two. They had DeAndre Swift listed ahead of him. So technically they had DeAndre Swift, then Hilaire, and then Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins would have been behind that even. And, and, like who, and who ranked them? Was that this, is on, this is right on NFL.com. Okay. Yeah, they had DeAndre Swift at 16. And what, what year was that? This is uh, 2020. Oh, okay, so I was like, I'm looking at 19, and it still wasn't there. Yeah, no, so 20, it's 2020. And then, so they had Hilaire at 32. And Jonathan Taylor at 35. And then J.K. Dobbins at 40. But again, DeAndre Swift was listed above both of them, or all three of them. So, like, they – I mean, so did they – did, they didn't take DeAndre Swift in the first round, did they? No, no. The Detroit took him in the second round. Right. So, okay. So, they basically said, like, all right, we think the number two guy is better than the number one guy. And yeah, then Detroit did something stupid and said, like, oh, we drafted a running back in the second round who was supposed to be the highest-rated running back who fell to probably, I think, third or fourth. And – then we signed Adrian Peterson and let him be the bell cow for no reason because Detroit's going to going to Detroit. But um, I just, I don't know. I don't see, I, I think that, I think it's how you value, you know, personally the like is the, is the number six corner or number five corner, number four corner able to step in, start and be an impact player above what you would see out of a first round running back per se. Like, right. I, I, and I, I think that would be the question. Like if, if they're, if, if like the number four or five corner, if they're looking to say, like, I mean, okay, he's the number four or five corner, but I still have him well above the number one running back. Uh, I think I still go with my position to need at that point, especially right. if so I have o- him o- like overall draft board. Sure. Yeah. Especially if I have him higher on my draft board, but uh, there's been rumors coming out that, um, Bean only Bean doesn't have 32 first round talents on his draft board. Like he he has less than a full round of picks of people in his on his first round board. So I mean there's a chance that if I say he's got only 22 people that he thinks are first round talent, we might see him trade out. It could be interesting, which I'll be a little bummed about, and really just because of my own 
antsy anticipation here that I'd be so pumped for the Bills to pick, and it's like 11.45 p.m. tonight, and then they trade out, and I'd be like, son of a damn, all right, fine. tomorrow, fine. Right. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be pumped out if I stay awake and then end up not getting to see him. Yeah, no, whole, yeah. Get to take a pick. Whole, wholeheartedly agree with that one, so. I, and uh-huh. again, I, I, I find it hard to believe. I, I don't think we would do that. And again, uh, I'm not the GM and there's a good reason I don't get paid this money. But at the end of the day, I, I don't, we have, let's just say we have seven draft picks for seven rounds. Like we just go one for one. There's right. not room on our roster for seven guys to make this team. Correct. So I think to, to make seven picks would be foolish. I would actually be a bigger fan of them trading up into the first round. Get rid of your second, get rid of your third, whatever. I don't know what that capital is, but move up and then, Get that Stingler Jr. Get get the corner you want. Like fine. Like go get a guy who's going to make and contribute to winning a Super Bowl now, because getting, I don't know, getting depth in the second round or picking up a backup center in the third or what? Do you mean I I that I don't care about that. That's nothing. That guy's probably not making the roster anyways. I'm looking. I, I need a guy who's going to help us win a Super Bowl in 2022 slash 23. Like that's what I'm looking for. I'd rather see them move up instead of move back. You know, and I I agree with you. Up until the point where, you know, you start talking about drafting depth in the third, fourth, and fifth round, um, we have crushed the middle rounds as far no, as like sure. talent. I mean, for sure, you know, Spencer Brown ended up being a huge, huge asset last year from a guy who was like, "Well, he's big, he's mean, he's nasty, but he's he's going to take a few years to catch on." That dude was a stud, and thank well, God we had him because he, like Josh Allen, went to a small school. And people yeah. were like, well, he didn't face Elise competition, so how good could he possibly be? Right. And, I mean, uh, Matt Milano, fifth-round pick. I mean, like, the the number of guys that we've hit on in the third, fourth, and fifth far outweighs the guys that we've missed in the third, fourth, and fifth. Like, mm-hmm. so for every Nathan Peterman, there's a Spencer Brown. For every – I mean, one of the best guards in the, in, in the league we picked up in the fifth. And, granted, we traded him, but he's still one of the best guards in the league. We got him in the fifth round. Like – our, our scouting department, like just the bill scouting department fucks. That's all they do. They just straight up fuck. And <laughs> I, I, I live for it. Like I, I, I don't want, I don't want to see us lose those, like those middle round picks because we nail it every year. I and, mean, and I get that, but because we've been so successful at it, there aren't any holes in our roster. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we were so good at it for so long and really, and it's a great problem to have. Yeah. But we're just not, I don't know. <laughs> where do you fit that guy where where does that where does that guy go we i mean now we take uh this year is tommy doyle or this year you know what i mean whoever that offensive lineman is whoever you want to take in the fourth fifth whatever because i mean yeah, quit, quit, quittenberry is a is a backup and uh baker i think got resigned for a couple of years but the guy we got from tennessee is only here in a one-year deal right uh, who knows how many years mitch morris has got left he's one concussion away from retiring it's do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. So you like, do that. like it's, you know, I like if I'm spending the third, fourth and fifth round pick on like my, my, the future of the stuff, the center position on my team. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the, like, I need another guard like Tommy Doyle last year dressed in, I, I believe the last five or six games. At, and he was that first lineman in when we did an extra package, he, he started a game or two. Um, when our, when our tackles were, when both tackles were down and they moved Brown over to the left and they put him in at the right, on the right side. Like, I mean, it was, that was a huge pick. Both of those dudes were huge picks for us. They both ended up being contributing factors. Like I, 
listen, what at the end of the day, whatever Beam does, I am all right, in. Agree, right, and we're back all to that. In, in Beam like, we trust. I, 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 am, I am excited for day three of the draft because day one is great. It's, it's exciting. It's the first round. Everybody lives for it. Day two is fun and cool because you're still probably picking guys that are going to at least compete to start. And if you're the Bills, day three, you're still picking dudes that are going to compete start because we're picking them right. for a reason. We're not just taking flyers on best available. Like this dude and his scouting department dives deep, deep into the into the talent pool and finds these gems every single season. And I am living for it. You know what? And, and again, I love that. And I'm a big fan of it. I think we have one of the best GM coach tandems in the entirety of the NFL. Unfortunately, maybe only seconded by you know, Andy Reed and, and you know I mean? in Kansas city that, that drives me nuts. But in any event, it's, I, I just uh, think, I just think Andy Reed is like the chiefs are flashier because he's an offensive minded head coach. We're like, yeah, but I mean, he still drafts pretty well. I mean, I, I can't, Andy Reed's been doing it for, he's like one of the winningest coaches like all time right now. It's right. He's really doing quite well. Um, but really, I mean, I, I think what everybody loved about the Josh Allen here is, like, we went for it. We knew who we wanted. We traded up. We got our guy. Now, right. fortunately for us, that guy was Josh Allen and not Josh Rosen because there's a, there was a, it could have worked out super badly. Do you know what I mean? If we traded up, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. a few years back, if we trade up and we don't take Sammy Watkins, we take Khalil Mack, people would be like, oh. Well, shit. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like oh, that, that we, we having a whole different conversation. Like I just, I like the thought process of, you know what you need, go, go get and it. get it and just do it, go right. after it. I think that's one of the biggest things that frustrates Aaron Rodgers. I mean, people don't like him. He's a bit, he's a crybaby and stuff like that. And he's a bit of, I understand all that. It's all true, but because green Bay is owned by like shareholders, there's not one particular owner. Right. Like they don't have an owner that can just say, screw it, throw money to the wind. We're going to go out a Super Bowl or bust. This is our year. We're going after it. The Rams, F them picks, trade them all. We don't want to make any picks in the draft. We're going to just trade them for players and we're going to win Super Bowls. Right. Yes. I would love to see us do that. We are in a position, not unlike the Rams, where our roster pretty set at a majority of positions, all pro players at a lot of positions, offense looks loaded. F them picks, go get your guy, be competitive, win a Super Bowl, finally put it to bed. And really, with the arms race that was going on, especially in the AFC West this year and this offseason, just crazy how you have to load up. Yeah. You got to load. I mean, you got to stop them. It just go, go get a guy. Yeah. And I mean, in front of you. I, I, I'm just, I'm pumped to hear it. I'm pumped to see what happens. Uh, I don't, I really believe the only way you see us trade out is if everybody that we looked at as a first round guy that we would want. Right. right. Like Hall, Hall, Hall's gone. McDuffie's gone. I mean, running backs are, you know what I mean? Everybody yeah. went nuts and nobody's there anymore. Right. Yeah. So um, we're going to wrap up this episode the same way we've wrapped up the last two. I think this is going to be a regular segment that we roll uh, and I have a lot of fun doing it. So uh, this is called, do you care? Oh. And it's just taking sports topics and asking if you care. Uh, we talked a little bit a lot, uh, last week about um, like Debo Samuel and wanting more money and everything else. And now it's come out that he is seeking, actively seeking a trade. And I have to, so it's also come out that not only is he seeking a trade, but the Jets appear to be the front, front runner. runner in the Debo Samuel sweepstakes. <clears throat> the question is, 
Debo Samuel is linked heavily to go into the Jets. Do you care? Not really. They have Zach Wilson throwing him the ball. Nope. Not not at all. He's he's yeah. a great player. He's very good. But the same thing going to Tyreek going to Miami. It's it's who you have throwing the ball. That's it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean and, like that? And then that, that's really why I don't care. I, and it's not an indictment of him. It's an indictment of who's giving him the ball. That's well, and that's why the, I don't. The other care. part of that is, I mean, he's come out and said he doesn't want to be a utility player. He wants to be a receiver. He doesn't want to line up at nine different positions on the field. Right. So um, he, he listen. He gets beat on. No, he gets, his, he gets his, absolutely it's his abused. money and it's his body. Like I understand. I get it. Especially after seeing guys like Christian Kirk make eighty million dollars, he'd be like, "Oh my God, am I underpaid?" Jesus! I, after what I just did, twenty-five million dollars a season—that's what I want right now. Yeah, pay me. I get it. I understand. And it's not—it's not the Niners' fault either. Honestly, that other teams are giving these subpar receivers way over market value. No kidding. Is, you know what I mean? But I—it is what it is. That's just the world we're living in. Ah. Uh... There are multiple franchises in the MLB right now that are having record low attendance and the fans that are showing up are showing up with signs, bags over their heads, so on and so forth. Um, do you care? Um, I care a little bit just because I care about baseball. I think there's a few, every time I see one of these random memes on Facebook, I always think it's true. Like if you're a kid under 10 years old, you shouldn't have to pay to go to a major league game ever. Ever. I don't care what stadium you are, the adults should have to pay. The kids get in for free. You want to institute, like, you know what I mean, raise your attendance levels, start getting kids more interested in going back to the to the ballpark. Because at the end of the day, it's like football. I mean, I know you you have so you have season tickets to the Bills and I don't. And you love going to the games, and I enjoy going to an occasional game. I, like a lot of people, am very comfortable in my living room, watching football on my 70 inch TV. Do you know what I mean? Like that's right. It, 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 the viewing pleasure aesthetically didn't used to be as good on TV. So it used to be, Oh, the only way to experience the game is to go now. I it's friggin' fantastic. I don't know. You know what I mean? The more they interview players and they, they mic up guys in the outfield now, like, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately your in stadium experience has not kept up with the entertainment value you're getting from watching it on TV. Correct. Ah, two more for you. Oh boy. Uh, we're going to stick in the baseball train here. Sure. There have been, I believe three different instances in the major league baseball this year of bench clearing brawls already uh, stemming off inside pitching stuff like that. And, you know, we we've now seen, uh, I don't know if you saw, but there was the, the pitcher that got absolutely like that, that just hit stick the batter after he oh, hit a home yeah, run. The, the, the Juco thing, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of violence, we'll say, just for just for lack of a better term. Like, I mean, be it the, the bench clearing brawls. I mean, it almost happened in a local college game around here where you know the the you know the bench is empty. There were no punches thrown, but like the bench is kind of emptied and like they move towards each other, and like that's almost a like an automatic game over, allegedly. Um you know, it, baseball is getting chippier and chippier. Do you care? Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's not it's not something I'm interested in watching. And I'm not a baseball purist. I, you know, what I mean, I think the game fundamentally changes over the last 140 years. But it's it's I'm not ready to jump to like electronic umpires or anything, despite what Angel Hernandez gives us on a nightly basis. But as far as the brawls go, it's just 
I, I don't think there's really a, a place for it. I, I don't think it's like hockey where, oh, well, we have to self-police. Otherwise, it goes unchecked. Do you know what I mean? I feel like so in in an example of that, that that Juco kid who the pitcher who truck stick the kid rounding third. Like I, I see it from both sides. At one point, I'm sure that batter was talking the most crap imaginable as he rounded the bases. I don't know what was said. I you know what I mean? I don't know what went down. On the flip side, I the pitcher's actions are completely unexcusable. Like at one we, we went from trash talking to completely like the batter trash talking and jawing back and forth did not ruin his career. Trash talking is commonplace in sports happens all the time. The pitcher, I don't know how you ever explain you're a Juco, right? You're spending a couple of years there with plans to go to a four year institution after the fact, how do you possibly explain yourself to your next team or your next coach? Oops. I'm sorry. Like, I, Oh, I, I just lost it. I like, he called me a jerk or, you know, was, was crap talking to me. So I just had to answer that. It is unacceptable at any level. And do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not okay. I like, I I hope he enjoyed playing uh, that. uh, I think that's pretty much the end. I don't know who, who takes that kid on after that. It's so he uh, originally the, the sanctions levied were a two game suspension for the batter for inciting the incident and a four game suspension for the pitcher for the incident itself. And uh, the interesting side of the whole thing is they're like from from all accounts, it started early in the game. There was some, you know, it like who started it is one what goes one way or the other. You know, the, the pitcher may have dropped, you know, something toward one of the a batter on the other team early in the game. And then it just kind of continued. And then the go ahead home run was hit. And you can actually see in the video the umpire warning the batter rounding the bases, holding yards, um, you know, and then that whole thing happened and it is what it is. But uh, the school did their own investigation and stuff and they, and they kicked him off uh, they got out of the school completely. They just, you're done. Um, right. And so you mentioned Angel Hernandez. We all care. He's awful. It sucks. <laughs> and he kind of took, took my, my thunder on that one. But uh, one of the things I'm going to like, so you mentioned being a baseball purist, uh, a tweet from, from a coach that I'm looking at here is I'm pulling up his, his account. Um. So he's from Texas and he's the founder of um, a, a training academy and so on and so forth. And he basically said uh, trash talk and taunting happened when we were in school. There just weren't camera phones scouting for incidents to post on social media. Most games are respectful and nothing happens. A stare down and bat flip gets a, gets a thousand retweets and the back in the day crowd pretends that they were, they were choir boys. Um, and I think that's true. You know, I really do. I really truly believe that hundred oh, percent social media amplifies everything. No, none of sure. this is new. None of this is new. No, no. I mean, and we like if you if you were to go to look through that thread, you would see different conversation about people. You know, like oh, when I like you know, I I punched another player during a scuffle in this game, or like when I was in high school, I did this, I did that. Like, I mean, I've told the story a few times about the time I should have been thrown out of a game where I dropped no less than forty f bombs toward like, at an umpire when I was eighteen, and like. I'm sure that would have been a viral moment if social media was what it is today. Right. I think like, I'm so. sure of it, but it wasn't because that wasn't a thing. Um, you know, and this whole, like, you know, Oh, act like you've been there before crowd or like, you know, the, 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 the respect of the game crowd. I mean, like you, you got chippy, you ran your mouth. And I know that because that, the amount of the, the, the help, because of how much you run your mouth now, there's no way you didn't do it when you were younger. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. 
Right. Nobody so, runs their mouth more as they get older. No <laughs> kidding. You really, you really need to take your foot off the gas a little bit, if anything. So, but uh, that'll that'll wrap it up for this episode of Half Stats and Stats. Uh, Statman, enjoyed having you, buddy. Looking forward to talking a little post-draft action one of these days. Ooh, so excited. Let's do it. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if we can't get more than one uh, one co-host on here with me. We'll see if we can't do a little roundtable action, potentially. But oh, uh, Boy, it's, it's a menage a trois of football action. You just got to pay extra for that kind of action. <laughs> but uh, Hats, Hats, and Stats part of the BACBP Radio Network, www.bacbp-radio.com. Uh, you can find us on social media, type in Hats, Stats, and Stats podcast on Facebook or at HTS underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Like, follow, share, subscribe, tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you're hearing me, you know where to find me. Uh, we got a cool thing coming up in the near future. We're going to have a new opening jam, a new opening song from a former player of mine who is pursuing a uh, a music career living in Nashville currently. Uh, Garrett Black is writing a little little rap ditty for us to start the show. We'll you know, start featuring his music here and there throughout the show as well. And uh, outside of that, guys, thanks for tuning in, Statman. And on behalf of myself and the rest of the hosts, the Hat Stats and Stats, we are a championship caliber pots pro, uh, a championship caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York. And with that being said, we will catch you guys next week. Following podcast is brought to you by the Beard Struggle. The Beard Struggle makes quality beard and grooming products for the modern man who likes to look good while raiding the countryside. Visit their website, thebeardstruggle.com, to scope out their awesome product line and use promo code JAWS20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. The Beard Struggle, because everyone looks better with a beard. Hey, come on now. Here we go, bud. Let's go put the ball in play here. And a boy, dig, 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 dig. You're out. What? Oh, my God. Man, can you believe that game ended on such a bad call? You know, I sure can, Coach, but you know what's never a bad call? Tuning into the Tip of the Cap podcast on the BICBP Radio Network, Western New York's first and only prep baseball podcast. Tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or at www.bicbp-radio.com and check out all the action. It'll be the best call you've made all year.